Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit hellmans.com. They say every dog has its day, but when you're Lulu and your parents drive a Camry, every day is your day. The roomy rear seat is the perfect, whoa, is that the dog park? Backseat besties, it's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota, let's go places. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Damashek football program available on iTunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. What's going down? I hope all's well wherever you are. Welcome to episode number 146 of the Dave Damashek football program, available as always on iTunes and at nfl.com slash Sheck, S-H-E-K, back in the seat. To my immediate right, my main man from NFL.com, it's Adam Rank. What's the poop, fella? Hey, boss. Thanks for having me. Sure Sorry thing. to miss out on you on a Monday. Sure but... thing. I know. You had more important things to do, like the Halos were beginning their, their home schedule. Their yes, first sir. of 81 in uh, in Orange County. But we'll talk about that later, because look who it is, st- seated in Studio 66, directly across from us. The man on the offensive line for the San Francisco 49ers, Joe Staley. What's the poop with you, fella? Hey, the poop, I don't know, but it doesn't stink. Okay, all right. Okay, listen. Joe, as you What's walked in here, as you walked in here, you set, you started out with, what are we talking about? And mm-hmm. you know what? I'm going to let my hair down. I don't, you know what? It's not my show today. It's your show. What okay. do you want to talk about? And that's where we're going. Oh, man, you're putting me on the spot right now. What do we want to talk about? I don't know. What do you guys mi- think about the with the basketball tournament? I was just going to bring that up because yeah. you're a Central Michigan guy. You're a, a Michigan native. Um, I Well, listen, I thought it was fantastic, and I don't like that. I've gone on and on about I don't like March Madness. It's an overrated tournament. But, boy, oh, boy, when I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong, like the late, great Jerry Orbach at the end of Dirty Dancing says. It was, I mean, that was an all-time game, right? I mean, the whole entire tournament, I thought, was. It was exciting from uh, start to finish. You had the uh, 15 seed going to the Sweet 16 for the first time. Um, and then those final four matches, up, matchups in every single game. I'm actually yeah, those kicking were myself because I was thinking about going. And, um, you know, usually the final four matchups aren't, aren't you know, great games. And mm-hmm. I was kind of anticipating that going in. And, um, wow, I made a wrong wrong call there. Are you Would a you, Michigan guy? Yeah. I am a Michigan uh, fan. You know, I held a grudge for a long time against University of Michigan because they didn't recruit me and mm-hmm. I really wanted to go there because mm-hmm. growing up I was a huge, huge Michigan guy. Um, but I've gotten over that and now I don't really follow the football team as much. I'm still Central Michigan football, um, but definitely the basketball because, I mean, I grew up in the Fab Five and, um, you know, those guys, those glory days until you know, they went down in the uh, – 
cloud of smoke there for a little bit. I feel like you're almost too <laughs> young. You remember the? You remember watching the uh, Rose and yeah, Weber I was and like those guys? Six, seven years old. I mean, that's my peak interest in sports. That's when I got really into it. So those are my uh, my building years. Um, Do you remember uh, the UNLV team? Uh, a little bit earlier because I we we've talked to Jalen Rose on this show before and I asked him if that UNLV team would have beaten the Fab Five. I know what he says. What would you say? The running rebels you're talking yeah, about with Larry, uh, Johnson. Larry Johnson, Grandma, and all that. Greg that was Anthony. a that was like right before, a little, a little bit before. That was uh like when was that? 89? 89-90. 89-90. Yeah. and um, you know what? I'm just gonna go with the Michigan guys because uh, I mean those Fab Five—they're just exciting. I think they brought a lot of excitement, and I mean they, maybe they, they maybe they would have because Michigan didn't win the title that year. You know they right. lost in the national championship here's the, game because here's the, the problem. Freaking timeout. I agree with you, but you know what's but but what's the strange thing about college basketball now is it's the only sport where this is true, where that Fab Five team or the running Rebels or the Hoosiers of '87 or one of those teams would beat any team that's playing now. That's oh, yeah. not true. Like if if the Niners of 2012 played, you know, I don't know who from the played the Broncos of the '80s, you would you would whip them. True. I agree. I agree. Um, but at, at the same point. Or on the same subject, you have, uh, I think the situation is you have players nowadays that are just bigger, faster, stronger. It's just the, you know, I guess the evolution of the athlete throughout the years. And, I mean, you see that as well in, in basketball. I mean, you have guys like LeBron James, granted, he didn't play college basketball. Um, but, I mean, those guys didn't exist back then. All right, let's um, talk about, I want to talk about some, I want to talk about the Niners specifically, but now you're talking about, about football, pl- then. player evaluation. <laughs> but listen, not unless you, if you say <laughs> I'm, I'm done, if you say I've talked too much football already today, we don't have to. We could talk about movies. I what love if, football. What let's are talk Joe, about it. All right, well, let me just ask you this, because this is a question I like to ask people is, what are Joe Staley's passions? My passions? What are your passions? My, why do you whisper it? Because that's the way I feel like that's the only way to appropriately uh, ask that question. What are your passions? You know, my passions, uh, you know, outside of football, uh, what I enjoy doing is I love being outside. I love spending time with my friends and family. I love golfing. Um, anything competitive mm-hmm. I really enjoy. Um, Connect Four? You know, I'll play a good game of Connect Four, and I'll get incredibly competitive about it and mm-hmm. probably ruin the whole night for everybody. But mm-hmm. um, You're that guy. That Yeah, I'm that that a-hole that nobody likes to invite to a game game night. <laughs> um, I mean, I like anything where I'm having a good time and smiles on my face. You know, I could, I'm, I'm one of those guys that never really says no to anything. What about the, unless it breaks the law? The thing I the the what the thing I wanted to ask you about in with player evaluation. This is the thing that does it. How does this strike you? And no offense to you as a as an offensive lineman, but I feel like. The one thing that nobody gets, no thing that the fans, and you know, I have watched football obsessively for three decades now. I have no actual ability to assess whether or not an offensive lineman is good. Mm-hmm. Is that weird for you? That is, is it strange? Do you feel under the radar in a way? Do you sense that nobody that the one position where fans in general really have no idea if a guy is good or bad, except from what they're hearing watching the broadcasters? Yeah. Nobody knows about that. Are you? Do you sense that? I definitely agree with that. And um, you know, as a lineman, it's frustrating because I think a lot of the times a fan uh, fans go off of. You know, to judge if a guy's good or not is stats, and there's no stats for right, an offensive exactly. lineman besides how many penalties you have or how many sacks you give up. So that's why you get noticed is if you, you know, have a false start or a holding call, or if you give up a sack. And um, you know, we tell people all the time the pressure of playing that position is so great because you could play 
an absolute perfect game, dominate the guy you're going against 100% of the time, and have one play out of 70 that you give up that sack, and every single person in the country is going to say you had a miserable game, you are the worst player. Ain't that right. And That's really that, true. You could do that one time. I mean, say you just do that every other every other week, not even every week. You could play a perfect game every single time besides one play every other game, and you give up eight sacks a year. That is awful. You're the worst player in the NFL. You're going to get replaced. On the flip side, the guy you're going against, <laughs> That's if he right. gets 10 sacks a, a year, I mean, he could get his butt kicked in every single game. But if he has a stat, the stats of 10 sacks a year as an edge rusher, he's going to the Pro Bowl. Um, so it's uh, frustrating, yeah. yeah <laughs> I, I hear you. I don't mean to bring you down. Yeah, it is one of those things. that Right, it's exactly. People do not notice you unless you're doing something, uh, unless you screw up. And like you say, it can be just one time a game. All right, I want to talk about the the San Francisco 49ers. And a lot of people are picking you guys already. They've already decided you're the team to beat. But the 1A to that is the Seattle Seahawks. It's a fascinating thing all of a sudden. Yeah. That the two best teams, arguably at least, in the whole NFL are in the same division. How say you? It's been it's been coming for a while. You know the the Seahawks, especially last season, um, but over the years it, this rivalry has really built up. I mean, ever since I've come in uh, into the NFL, it's been getting progressively more heated. And uh, you know the moves they made this off season, uh, we expect them to be very very talented. And we made a lot of moves as well. Um, it's going to be very fun. You know presents a great challenge going up to the, uh, their stadium with their fans, how, how loud it is there. Um, you know they're not going to lose many games at home, and so you uh, really have to you know match that throughout the season. Um, but at the same time, we know that the championships aren't won in the off season. You, know, you can make all the moves in the world, um, but you have to have a lot of things go right your season or during the season. You have to have you know limit injuries, um, teams coming together, chemistry. Also, have to play well. And um, so there's a lot of different factors that go into getting to the, the Super Bowl. And um, you know, we're just looking forward to the process. All when right. the Seahawks go out and acquire a guy like Percy Harvin, what's your reaction? How do you find out? And what do you – do you call your buddies? Do you say, oh, my gosh, you see what the Seahawks did? Or what, what happens? No, I mean, you, you hear basically how anybody else hears. I mean, it's such a – you know, with Twitter and um, the instant media feed, you hear it just like the fans do. And um, – you know, I'm always a little bit more interested when it's a team that in, in the in the division that makes a move. But you know, at the same time, like I said, you know, the the championships aren't won and lost during the during the off season. And uh, you know, we we love adding you know talented players to the football team, but there's still a lot of work to do. And and they they would say the same thing about their team. You know, they're not you know claiming themselves champions because you know they signed so and so, but um, you know they have a lot of talent and. And he's a great player, and he's gonna he's gonna add something to that offense. And so, uh, we're excited about the process. Well, now you just now, field. right, yeah. But now you just put Namdi on him, done and done. Now you're all set, right? Yep, I guess <laughs> <laughs> that's what, problem you know, solved. Problem uh, solved. That's it. If, it. if the game was played on paper, but we have to go out there and execute. Look at that. I played on paper. You don't <laughs> win in the off season. I see you going with cliches. I want to know about this, Staley. But it's true though. That, I mean, all right. it's, they're, they're cliches, but they're cliches for a reason. All right. they are true. What about this cliche? No one outside this locker room believes in us. Does that does does Harbaugh throw that one around? Ever? No, I think maybe his first year we did because I mean really nobody really believed in us, and we were a, a down franchise for a long time. But you know we have the target on our back. 
I mean, did he give a cliche for you? you did Harbaugh back and we uh, yeah, we play like that? We got a target on our back. Yeah. That's his new one. I got it. <laughs> did he give what, what? Did he give a great inspirational speech before the Super Bowl? No, he's never been in it. Where's my microphone? There, oh, there you go. Um, no, he's never been a, a, a great. I mean, not, really? not to say great inspirational speech, but he doesn't give them. You know, I'm surprised. Not, Wouldn't just, you think, Rank, that he's the sort of guy that's really in the locker room? Like, come on, guy! You know, the no, big rah-rah guy. I feel guy. like he's, he's built the team where we don't need the big, great inspirational speech. You know, we know the moment we, we practice for. And I think one of the great things about him that he's brought to this franchise is the culture of 100% football 100% of the time when you're in the building. And it's hmm. all about work and all about getting better. And, um, you know, that goes from the Monday meetings to, you know, game day. And um, we have a lot of professionals in that locker room. We have a lot of uh, great veteran leaders. You know, you guys got, you know, Justin Smith and Patrick Willis. Um, you know, we got Colin, who's a great young leader for this football team. Uh, Frank Vernon. Guys like that, you don't need a huge inspirational speech from your head coach because the players love it. All right, let's talk some uh, so, some of that uh, day down there or the evening in, uh, in New Orleans. Um once the game gets going, then Michael Crab. Well, I guess let's jump right to the end there. Michael Crabtree was on the Rich Eisen podcast a couple weeks uh-huh. ago and said that he got bonked on the head and had no memory of of what was going on out there. What what was going on in that last drive? The the thing that stands out to me is once you guys get inside the ten. I don't. I'm not Shaq, looking. He said he got blinded by the hit. Got blinded. What did yeah. I say? No memory. That oh, no memory, good. yes. Blind or, yeah, no memory, yes. He was blinded by that. Did you have any sense of that in the huddle? And in and in more general terms, once you once Gore makes that run down to, uh, on, uh, in, in large part, uh, on your block, once he turns the corner there up the left sideline and gets it inside the 10, did you anticipate we're not going to be looking at Crabtree the rest of the way? We're going to just keep grinding them because they have no answer. Once Nada went out of the game, you guys were gashing them. I don't have to tell you. You guys were, were drilling them play after play. Were you surprised that you went to the pass at all there? Um, you know, to answer your first question with Crabtree, it was so fast paced down there those last three plays that we didn't really, you know, I don't even know, we didn't have time to really recognize anything that was mm-hmm. going on. So that was not brought to my attention, you know, until he didn't say like I'm he blind. Never said anything. No, he didn't. <laughs> you um, think that would come up? I don't think it would. You know, he'd be <laughs> a competitor. Um, but then, you know, at the same time with the with the play calling. Um, they were running, you know, very consistently throughout the whole entire day. They were running a lot of cover zero down there within the five yard line, and we ran the first run play. And um, you know, I kind of anticipated we were going to run the ball a little bit more, but with the way that they were running their defense as well, running, you know, up the middle or outside is is, is tough against a cover zero all out blitz. Um, so you know, it's, it's a situation where you know some somebody has to make a play, and you know, we didn't make the play that we needed to there. Does but any? I think as an offensive lineman. Um, you know, obviously I'd be remiss if I told you that I didn't want to run the ball because that's what we take pride on. And that's, uh, and we felt like we could have, you know, punched it in. Did you guys, what, what's happening and what's the vibe in that huddle? I mean, the Super Bowl, it's the biggest sporting event, at least in the U S and you're, you're This is what you've played, you know, practiced for and lived for your whole life and all that. What's going on in the huddle? Are you guys saying to each other, like, this is it guys. if we score here, we win this. Is that kind of vibe or is it just very businesslike? I mean that because we had after that run we had a, I believe a TV timeout or there was some stoppage in play, and I mean we were saying like you know we have seven yards and we'll be Super Bowl champions mm-hmm. you know it was it was a lot it was 
you try to keep it business as usual, but at the same time, I mean, this is for the, this is for everything, you know, those seven yards. And, um, but then at the same, on the same token, once, uh, once the game got back going, there was no thought of that. You know, there was no, oh my gosh, I better make my block here because if I don't, this is for the mm-hmm. whole entire season and this is for the Super Bowl. It was about just doing my job. Um, this is the play call and execute what I have to execute. How long did it take you to get over the loss or are you even over it now? Um, you know, I think, yeah, right now, you know, th- this next season's close and, uh, it's going to feel weird, I think, until we get on that field again, um, and really practice. Um, but as far as dwelling on it and thinking about it, you know, I've moved on to the next season and, uh, but it took a, definitely, I took a long time and there was, you know, a good month there where that was basically all I thought about, um. You know, it was hard to hard to get that out of your mind, just knowing how close. You know, this is the first time I cried in football after that game. You know, since when I was in high school, um, after we lost a first first round playoff matchup, broke my heart. Um, and then the Super Bowl. You know, so it's definitely something that that stings. Um, but just talking to the guys as well, it's a it was a situation that we're gonna. You know, I think last year getting the NFC Championship game, or two years ago getting the NFC Championship game. We said all season, we need to get back to the Super Bowl. We know what kind of team we have. We need to get back to the Super Bowl. This year, losing the Super Bowl, it's not we need to get back to the Super Bowl. It's we need to win the Super Bowl. And um, the the hunger that I saw coming out of the end of the last year is, is tenfold going into this season. What um, then as uh, – well, I guess uh, the big news was the blackout. You know, in the third yeah. quarter, and we've talked to some Ravens, and they ate food. I don't know if you know this. They had some. They had some snacks. Did you have any snacks? No snacks. No, but at halftime, we actually were eating food because um, we anticipated the longer. Ah. Um, Did you hear Beyonce? No, we heard the bass. We couldn't hear. I wish. I wish I could have. Wish I could have seen her. Got a picture with her. All right. Last question <laughs> for you. So you cried after that Super Bowl. Yeah. When was the time you had cried before that? Not football related. When 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 did Joe Staley last cry? Shed a tear. Oh boy. Movie. <laughs> Lady hurt you. You saw the Notebook. I actually didn't cry in the Notebook. How dare you? I know, right? You are made of I'm, stone. I'm. I am. I have a cold heart. Um, I can't remember. Um, I. I'm an emotional guy, though. Movies I mean, I, make I, you cry, though. Sometimes not. they choke me up a little bit. They're not sappy movies, like like the, <laughs> the, the Notebook. notebook. Not, I mean, maybe when she wakes up and like see, recognizes who he is, and yeah, that stuff at the end. I don't know. I'm, movies is like. <laughs> what know. about at the end? Of I don't Arm get again. like enthralled into it. I actually have a funny story, but we don't might not, might not have time for that. I it's a, college, it's a college story, but my I'd college love to hear it. I'd love to hear your stories. Did you cry when? Um, in, in uh, what? Oh, I'm sorry. We got to go. I'm sorry. Sam, I'm being told behind the okay. to go. Um, when's the last time you threw up? Last time I threw up, um, probably drinking too much. Yeah, yeah, tequila or something like yeah, that. Me too. <laughs> All right, that's where we end it. Then that's yeah. that's where we end it. On that note, Joe Staley. Listen, I like you. I like your other offensive linemen on the team. I've met a couple of them. They're swell fellas. Yeah. I hope this year at some point we can carve some pumpkins up there yeah. in uh, in 49ers facilities to help bring in Halloween. That's down the That's road. That's way down the road. That's we got to watch. Listen, you got to get plan the other holidays. You, you know what? Let's Secret celebrate. Mayo. Let's do I something like, for that. This is where <laughs> look. 
I like this. Let's celebrate all the holidays together. How to celebrate the holidays with the San Francisco 49ers offensive line. That's a great idea. This is an idea. All right, SanFrancisco49ers.com, and you can watch the Joe Show. Are you still doing the Joe Show? Yeah, doing the Joe Show. I did an episode last week. Cool, cool. So be on the lookout for that. It's great stuff. You're a swell fella, as uh, as everybody has uh, said that you would be. And uh, listen, go get them this year. I appreciate it. Go all it. the way. Hopefully we'll get together in New Jersey in uh, in early February. Yeah, that sounds great. All right. Go get Looking him, Joe. To it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Sure Appreciate thing. It. There Thanks, he goes, Joe. the great Joe Staley. He's bigger than you and I, Rank. A little bit. Yeah, he's a big fella. There he goes, out of Studio 66. Rank, you're going to be playing some video games with him in a little bit? We're going to go play some Madden for the two-minute drill. That's going to start rolling out next week, too, so keep an eye out for those videos. We've got a couple of banked right now, and I don't I, – I, no spoilers or anything like that, but uh, I'm doing pretty well against these guys. Can't you name drop who you're playing? I can name drop a couple. we got Ryan Matthews. Okay. Uh, Navarro Bowman All right. was here, and uh, some other guys. In It'll there. be interesting to see who which 49ers are better at Madden football. I haven't played video games. I It's weird. I, I It's a tough spot. I mean, I feel like if I ever got a video game thing now, mm-hmm. um, that that would officially end any sort of life that I have. I'm, I'm barely clinging to have any, you know, sense of, of living that, mm-hmm. you know, most people have. Um, if I had a video game thing, that would end it. You know, that would end any chances of that. Um, but am I wrong? Am I missing out? Do I need to go? It looks to me. I maybe I'm. I feel like I'm being a snob mm-hmm. by not getting one. But I feel like you know. Listen, are you ever going to really beat Sega NHL '93 with the one timer? Tough. That's the best game ever. Just because they look better doesn't mean that they're better. Or are they? What am I missing? No, because the old Maddens had the ambulance going out on the field. Which yeah, was a right. Pretty, which I remember was a pretty that. cool thing. And like you said, they look better. <laughs> the <laughs> NFL more. probably wouldn't uh, no, 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 enjoy no. that no, one no, anymore. No, 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 no. You can't do that anymore. But yeah, I mean, you really can't. I, I remember one of the more rudimentary baseball hey, games. Hey, look, the wide receiver's getting a CT scan. <laughs> Go ahead. You got a concussion test on the sideline. But I don't know if you remember baseball stars. It was one of the better uh, games. It was fictional teams. They had uh, the. the Forget what the name of the team that was the best. It was like the All Stars or something, and their second baseman was named Pete, and their outfielder, the right oh, fielder, was yeah, named Oh yeah, I Bay. played that. Yeah, I think that was the that was one of the most enjoyable baseball games there were. And I, again, I it was don't know, cartoony looking, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I love that one. Was hard to beat, and so you know, you get that with a lot of the games that, like you said, even though that they're they're really crisp, and some people who are walking outside and they look and they see it on your flat screen think that you're watching an actual game. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's better. All right, let's talk about a couple of football-related matters. Joe Staley moves out, and uh, Black Tie behind the glass. How would you like uh, Joe there? Joe's great. I watched him a little bit on AM today. I've actually been in today since 6 AM, since I was watching NFL AM. He was pretty good. Um, he's was he being guy. zany? A little bit. Was little it bit, yeah. was it zany on there? Well, not was, too zany, but he was he was having fun. You yeah, can tell, like a lot because it's early over here on on LA over here in LA. So it's early but, everywhere. Well, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, he was being fun, and they had a little dance segment with uh, Jacoby Jones's dance partner from Dancing with the Stars. Do you think then, he had more fun on that show than he had here? He might have because he, he danced around with, like I said, Jacoby Jones's partner and Nicole mm-hmm. Loomis, who's the who's the host of NFL AM. And one image I would never unsee is him swinging around Nicole Zalumis. Around and around for like ten seconds on air. It was pretty, pretty hmm. fun. Yeah, they like dancing. Pretty... They do a lot of dancing on that morning show. They do. So they talk. It dancing. seems like they talk about dancing. Uh, you know, about is... two thirds of the time. 
something yeah. somewhere yeah. in that range. There's it seems been like more it. dancing references on there than it has been Dieter Brock on here. Oh, yeah. black tie, black tie with the Dieter Brock drop out of is nowhere. That, well done, your, sir. That's your first organic one. <laughs> <laughs> that that was, really was that really was off the top. That really was that good was, for you. You're getting better. That wasn't your first, you know. You, you, no, usually I, you know, I, you uh, have, you, I see it coming for like two minutes ahead, five minutes ahead. Where I'm going to plan it? That was really <laughs> off the top. You're growing as a competitor in the hip hop world. They would call that a freestyle. Really <laughs> off the top. In the hip hop, did you say in the hip hop world we would call that? Is that what you just said? We. Like I, you're I in the hip hop world? I don't, I don't recall if I said we. I, have to I think you back. just said we, and I don't think well, you I count. To... I don't think anyone actually in the hip hop world is embracing you, somebody who's never produced anything. Hey, I uh, actually know that's I... not true. I had a couple of songs back in uh, back in my younger days. Why? I had two songs back oh, home. Oh, for crying I was out part loud. of a group. Oh, six, no. six, uh, six rapper group. Six rapper? Yeah. Was what like was a, it called? We were called. Don't let's not get into that. But I'm, I'm interested we recorded to know what it was songs. called. All right, what was it called? The group. Yes. Yeah. Forget, forget about the group. That was the name you of your just, band. You just forget brought it group. up. Well, it's not a band if it's hip hop. We don't call it band. Whatever. It's, it's called it groups. A group. Yeah. All yeah, right. Let's group. move on from that. You know, I want. I do want to go back to something that he he brought up, and he was saying that he's here at six in the morning. I come in early. I come in at six a.m. and from six to nine, I consider it the best part of the day because. It's the only part of the day without black tie. And hmm. now he's been ruining that this week by being, it's terrible, you know, because I can send him an email, you know, at seven and I know he's not going to harangue me for another two hours until, he, you know, he condescends to come in. But no, nope, this morning I sent him an email and immediately got a reply. It is one of like, the oh. conundrums of life that it's great if you're actually up and around and once you're where you have to be and it's 6 a.m. That's a great feeling. It's the problem of waking up. Oh, that, it's brutal. Oh, man. it totally is. That first 30 minutes of being up, once I get over that hump, I'm fine. I was talking cool, with yeah. this. I, th- I was talking with, uh, you know, I go on the, the Corolla podcast and this is something we talked about a few weeks back. It's an interesting, you know, most of... The the human body is remarkable. You know all these things that the, that your that your heart just keeps on bouncing. You know over and over again rhythmically until it stops and then you die. But you get a good you know forty two to ninety three years somewhere in that range before it gives out. The one thing that the body physiologically has no what is the thing with your body not waking up? Shouldn't you be? Shouldn't your body accommodate the need to wake up? It's like, what are you doing trying to open your eyes? Like, ah, oh, I don't feel well for the first 17 minutes of being awake until I drink coffee. And if I didn't drink coffee, I would feel lousy for the first 90 minutes. What gives there? What what weird kind of uh, mystery of life is this? So, so you're saying human beings should be able to instantly wake up. Your eyes like, should pop yeah. open and you should be ready to so go. Like you have to wake up. On, just turn it on and you should be on. That's Right, exactly, like your cell phone. I invented, and people scoff at this idea, but I am sincere. I think that somebody should invent a caffeine IV. I think that there should be a thing that, like, you plug in before you go to sleep kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it could be a mister that, like, when your alarm clock goes off, it just sends caffeine mist into your face. Mm, And you wake up immediately, you see? Or if, like the IV, it's it's uh, like time drip. Instead of dripping into the coffee pot, it drips straight. It drips straight into your vein. You see, like and it. then like that, while you're asleep, oh, I have to wake up. My alarm is set for six fifteen a.m. The drip starts at six ten a.m. 
You understand what I'm getting at? Look, it's percolating already. It's already in your veins, and then you can't help but wake up four or five minutes later. Whoa, I'm ready for the day. You know, that's Are you act- serious? I am serious. That's actually the best way to nap. If you're going to take a nap, what they t- what they say to do is to pound a cup of coffee or a Red Bull mm-hmm. and then immediately go lay down and go to sleep. Because ah, can't that, do it. that 20 minutes before it kicks in, you sleep well, and then you wake you wake up awake. That's an interesting like, idea. I can never, never take a nap. I can't take naps. That's one of my... Uh, crosses to bear in life i've never been That's able awful. to take it i can't fall asleep on an airplane oh, i can't I've, I've naps forget it i used to do a morning show and then you know i had to wake up at 4 30 in the a.m of course everybody says well so you just go home and you take a nap not damashek i'd be awake the whole time i was it was, oh, it was it's a tough life let's talk about uh emmanuel sanders he signs He's a, you know, he he is a restricted free agent with the Pittsburgh Steelers. A significant piece, whether or not you consider him to be a great wide receiver, This the, the Steelers are in a bit of a pickle here because do they want to pay him $4 million? He... They needed a wide receiver uh, four year, three years ago. They drafted him out of SMU. Of course, Antonio Brown, the six-round pick, emerges as the more prominent target because Emmanuel Sanders has continually been hurt. But when he's on the field, he looks very good. It, uh, occasionally, he will drop some passes, but looks like a nice player. $4 million a year for a cash-strapped team, though, is difficult. The Patriots have now signed him, and the Steelers must match by this weekend or else they'll lose him. What do we think about it for the Patriots? I think that the it's pretty easy to say this, that with the exception of a couple of those guys, I think they call it the X receiver in New England. It's what Brandon Lloyd was supposed to do and what Chad... Uh, 85 was supposed to do both of them failed so there are some there is some history uh, short-term history of those guys not doing especially well in that spot but that being said he makes most Tom Brady makes most wide receivers look pretty good in that offense so I guess it's it's a fine move for them to make from the Steelers perspective do they need to do that because really if they lose him you're talking about Antonio Brown Heath Miller remember as a as a target has the knee injury we don't know if he'll be ready for the season Plexico Burris and Jericho Cotri that might be the worst receiving core in the NFL rank how say you that would be pretty bad it that's seemed, it I it mean right like, yeah it seems like the Steelers have to but th- the Steelers, I do put them uh, in, along with those teams that just go out and seem to be able to replace guys. You know, I give Baltimore a pass. I give them a lot of credit because Baltimore always finds a way to go out and restock their team. The Steelers, I feel, are the same way. And if they – Emmanuel Sanders doesn't really strike me as a guy that they must sign because I feel like I feel like whoever the Steelers bring in, he'll be fine. Next uh, issue that's football-related, Joe Flacco – is, has been called a quote-unquote embarrassing choice by the grandson of Johnny U to play Johnny U in an upcoming movie. Um, uh, you know, listen, J.C. Unitas, why can't you just enjoy that you get to walk the streets with the last name Unitas? That's yeah. pretty good. What do you have to bellyache about? It's not like your last name's Green. Oh, are you related to the famous Greens? If your last name's Unitas, I think it's uh, self-explanatory. That should be enough for you, fella. Don't bellyache to me about Joe Flacco playing him. But it does remind me as but we Joe come Flacco, off. he's not acting, though, right? He's just going to be the guy in the football scenes. And yeah. They're going to be using his throwing motion kind of like uh... – you should be flattered because it was a because one of the L.A. Avengers was the Adam Sandler's stunt double in right. the uh, the prison movie, The Longest Yard. 
So if that's all it is. What would what, you what, rather, Unitas? Would you rather have an actor who throw who, who has the uh, silly arm? You know, it doesn't throw like a fella. That's yeah. going to be that's going to you diminish you your Tim grandfather's. Robbins? Yeah, yeah. It's come on. Wake up, J.C. Unitas. But it does remind me as we come off of the basketball national championship. I, it's always bothered me. Who? What fan base should be more bothered by the Nick Nolte picture? I can never think of the name of Blue it. Chips. Blue Chips. Blue Chips, where he's essentially being uh, Bob Knight. Remember, in the first scene and then in the last scene of that picture, the Indiana Hoosiers are the team that they play, you know. And Bobby Hurley plays one of the Indiana Hoosiers. Right. Not a fictional team, you understand. Right. Matt Nover who was on the Indiana Hoosiers, is on the fictional basketball team of Nick right. Nolte's. But then the Indiana Hoosiers include, they have Calbert Chaney and many of the stars of the early 90s from that real team, but Bobby Hurley's on it too, wearing his number 11, except in red, I thought, listen, I went to Indiana University, I've always been offended by seeing Bobby Hurley doing that, but should Duke fans be even more outraged? Yeah, I don't I, 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 I would... Put it down as something like uh, Brett Favre going and playing for the Vikings. Seeing somebody turn mm-hmm. coat like that, they're where yeah, it would be offensive. Although, but this had to do imagine. with a lot. Yeah, this had to do with oh, Brett Favre wanted to extend his actual career. <sighs> this is this is whimsy. Bobby Hurley, where's your where where's your I honor, do, sir? I do remember him talking about that too when the when the movie came out, saying like, oh, it was like a cool experience to go out and wear the uh, the, the traditional Indiana pants, and I'm like. Dude, you went to Duke. It's not like you went to some small time school and right. this was your chance to to crack on the big time. I would be like, see, I would I would say if if I was gonna ever be like a famous actor, I would want to be one of those guys that I always want to represent my teams. Like Seinfeld, you know, he always talked about the Mets being that kind of guy. Like I'd always talk about the Angels or the Lakers and insist that my character was a fan of those teams. So I don't get it. And I, I understand, you know, maybe it's a paycheck or whatever. I, I would have done it. If I was a Duke fan, it wouldn't have set very well with me. I uh, I wouldn't want to see Larry Johnson running around in a UC Santa Barbara jersey. I continue to bang my head against the wall, and I feel like, you know what, I feel like, frankly, I'm losing my battle <laughs> against these fashion-based decisions of people, and you see even athletes doing it, wearing ball caps of teams that they're not associated with just because it matches their shoes. I hate that. I don't care for it. I don't mind telling you it's an it's an ethical nightmare for our society in the 21st century. I've done my best to clean it up. I don't, don't know you, that I can I can do it on my own. Don't you hate though if you see somebody in a pirate's hat and you walk up to him and you're like, "Hey, uh, who uh who won the game tonight? The Pirates win?" And the guy looks at you like you're a moron. Oh, like, I how don't, would I know? I, just, I wear how it for I fashion. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, no, I just like the hat. My Wait. name's Paul. Hey, I'm guess what? I love that Brewers Royal Blue hat, the old one that is that looks like a baseball glove. But is yeah. also an MB. I love that hat. Would I like to wear it? Sure. But am I from Milwaukee? Nope. No. Ergo, I can't wear the Brewers hat. By now, the way, speaking of the Pirates, how many of those games did you get out to this weekend? Your Pirates are in a town? I went to one. I know that's your big thing. No, I'm, I'm not a Pirates wondering. fan because I don't I'm watch them obsessively. They're they're a garbage team. What do you want was, me to do? I was just curious to how many games you went out to this week. All right. Listen, Being the battling buckos, the season has just begun. We have pl- we have, we have like 155 games left. We have plenty of time to how watch. How many out here? All right. Three. That's right, only three. I'll get back to the banks of the three rivers and watch them. I'll cross the Clemente Bridge and walk into PNC Park. Don't never mind how I how I conduct myself as a as a sports fan. I think my pet. I, I think my my uh, my statistics speak do all the talking for me. What I've done. Unfortunately, to see, yes, they do. How dare you! 
<laughs> All right. So let's get I, I'm moving on from this and let's move on now to the first installment of our draft diary with uh, UCLA defensive lineman. Like I say, he's shooting up the charts. It's Dayton Jones. What's happening, man? How you doing? I'm, I'm excited. I'm feeling blessed. Are you feeling blessed? Listen, let's not get ahead of ourselves, you know? We're not done yet. We're almost at the finish line, but not quite. All right, all right, all right. Are you going to be in New York City, first of all? Uh, You know, I haven't got the uh, Radio City invite. Um, I've been looking forward to it. You know, if I do, that's a dream come true. If not, I'm still celebrating my family, and I'm going to be ready to go. So if they invite you, you would go? Oh, yeah. If they invite me, I'm there. You're not worried about what happens if, you know, things go the other way. You know, it seems, you know, we saw it famously with Aaron Rodgers. It looks embarrassing. Do you, do you oh, not? It's, I mean, I feel like it's embarrassing if you have an expectation of being like a top five pick, you know, but I, I just want to take, take it all in. The scenery, uh, I, I've never been in New York before. Uh, and hmm. I'd be happy to just get the experience of going, you know, I thought, you know, once, I'll, that's been on my bucket list forever. Uh, when I saw the, the, the movie The Blind Side, and I watched, I watched Michael walk across the stage, and I saw it from his view, and it's just been on my mind ever since then. And it's just, it's just been there. It's been one of my goals to reach. Well, I right. like that his draft perspective came from The Blind Side and not actually watching the draft. <laughs> that's sure. an interesting point. All right, let's talk about this. Let's talk about etiquette. When you get drafted, if you're not in radio, even if you are in Radio City Music Hall, this is something I'm sure you've seen watching the watching it with other people. You can't hug your agent first, all right? You got to oh, hug no. family, at least three family members before the first hug goes to the agent. Okay? Oh, most definitely. I'm, family, family comes first. Then my guy, my agent. Okay. Give him a fist pound. Don't, yeah. don't go for the hug. We don't even have to hug the agent. That's right. That's a fair point. Now, listen. This is a job. You understand. I know it's fun. You're playing football, but this is going to be a job. So like anything else, let's treat it like a job. And I think I have some questions I'd like to ask you that maybe that this will help the, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of personnel guys around the league listening to us right now. So let's let's do that right now. Have you ever watched this show? If you're a fan of movies, you must be familiar with Inside the Actor Studio, right? With the bearded Uh guy. You know that show? Yeah. Okay. At the end of that, he always asks a list of questions to his guests uh, by uh, by uh, French interviewer Bernard Pivot. So now I'm going to ask them to you. Let's see how you do. First question is, what is your favorite word? I guess I always say, "Come on." That's my that's my fa- that's my favorite word. Come, Come on. on. Come on, man. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> That's the wrong network. That's the wrong football talking people. That's what Keyshawn says. All right. That's fine. What's your least favorite word? Uh, my least favorite word is quit because I never quit. Um, I'm always going. Uh, I like that. I just, All right. I, just hate, I just hate that word. I like that. I like that. That's to see. That's the kind of thing that these personnel guys are going to love to hear. What profession, other than your own, would you like to attempt? Basketball. Basketball of all the ones. That's, that's my that's my next profession. I like that. Okay, that's that, that'd be cool. I'd like to see you out there working on the low blocks. Um, oh yeah, I used to be a point guard back in the day. Did, did you he's, really? He's six four. Yeah, I, I used to be a point guard. What did you make of uh, what? You, uh, what do you think about what's going on there? As a matter of fact, over at uh, UCLA in the in the uh, in the hoops world. Oh man, you know they have a lot of talented guys. You know on campus. Um, 
you know, they, they just got rid of their head coach and resigned a new one. Uh, hopefully all goes well. Hopefully I can see them in their Final Four next year and maybe the national championship. That would be great to watch. Steve Alford is their coach, unfortunately, so that's not going to be happening. Oh, right. Oh, come on, son. I'm sorry. All right, here's the question that you hear all the time. What team do you hope to get drafted by? The team I hope to get drafted by. Well, you know, growing up, I've always been an Indianapolis Colts fan. Ah, that's I interesting. I played myself on Madden when I was a kid uh, as a Colt, but, you know, now it's, it's, it's more of a business aspect, and I'll love to play anywhere, to tell you the truth. Last one for you before we let you go this week, then we'll check back in with you as you're starting to get your head right for drafting and all that. But let me ask you this one. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Uh, you are a great man. Yeah, you lived a great life. You lived the life that I wanted you to live. And you did everything the right way. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, we have just a couple more days until you are an NFL football player. It's exciting, hey. like I say, to, to live it through you, to, to uh, yap with you here. Best wishes. Stay on the straight and narrow for the next couple days. You know what I'm saying? For the next yep. week or two. And then hopefully we'll we'll hook up in Radio City Music Hall. If not, we'll get to watch you on TV. And you're going right, to be yeah. and we're going to watch you hugging at least three or four family members. And then the fist bump for the agent. Oh, you already know. All right, perfect, perfect. <laughs> All right, listen, Dayton Jones. We wish you the best, and we appreciate the time. And uh, we'll look forward to yapping with you next week. Thank you. David, David, there he goes, Dayton Jones. And uh, and Black Tie just whispered in my ear. I'll pull back the curtain there. This is what we talk about, Rankin. And, and, you know, it's an embarrassment for you and me now because behind the glass isn't just Black Tie, but also the face of the NFL Network, Rich Eisen, is coming into this podcast studio mm-hmm. in just a moment, and he has to hear yeah, Black Tie give just, us the business. We're just hanging, just chilling. Ham and Eggers. We're Ham and Eggers, and Black Tie's in here get, giving us the business. Hurry it up, guys. We have. I, I'd like to, It's two minutes you have, but I'd like to see it in a minute. Surprise see, me. And now I'm putting on a headset to screw things up even worse. Take that, Black Tie. How about that? You're not going to talk trash to Eisen, though, are you? Hey, hey, he you, guys, you guys win this round. <laughs> no, 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 he, a good he, fight. He, took, he, he, he outlawed Chris Law when Chris Law left. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> remember that? You made Law I remember look bad. That. I remember that. He's my latex salesman, and you made him look even worse. <laughs> <laughs> now, Rich... I think it takes great courage to do what you've done this week. What is that? Show your face. Show your face. Get out on the streets. What does that mean? Press on with this thing called life. You had a tough... The the way it started for you on Monday night. House money. It was house money. I suppose. I guess that's true. Come on, Matt. The The last time we had all those freshmen play, banners came down. Program went in the toilet for 20, 20 years. This is fantastic. This do is you, great. We, you know how many times I watched... Games like Monday night's game between two programs were flying above the rim, playing great, entertaining basketball, saying, I would love it if Michigan was one of those teams one day. And that was them. It was fantastic wow. to watch. I'm, I'm an it Indiana really Hoosiers guy, so no, that was good. No, I know, I know, you I know. got us in the regular season. That's right. Your yeah. coach was screaming at somebody on, on the Michigan staff, right? <laughs> That's right, yeah. Your coach has got the swim move down perfectly when it's the handshake. <laughs> He's got that thing down. But it was a great Indiana season, super Indiana well, season. Speaking of, w- well, speaking of Indiana, we were just talking to uh, Dayton Jones about UCLA's basketball program. Steve Alford going, that yeah. seems to be one of the most puzzling moves 
in college in quite some I, I, You know, I'm inclined to say six of one, half dozen of the other from Ben Howland to Steve Alford, but in fact, it seems like a little bit of a drop-off. Well, At I, least Howland has gotten some teams to the final, has gotten a couple of teams to Final Fours. Yeah, I, I think I tweeted out, fire coach with three Final Fours to hire a guy one week removed from signing a 10-year deal to stay. At his old school. There's nothing wrong with the NCAA right it's now. It's real. Wow, well, listen. I mean, nothing you, to see here. Go oh back to your gosh. homes. Yes. This That's w- essentially what happened at UCLA. <laughs> it's, it, it really- three Final Fours out. Let's now bring in the guy. It was, I think, what was he? Choice E? Choice F? That is the probably. That was the pickle they were in that no one. And it's a strange world in which we live now that Shaka, the, the, the Shaka smarts of the world don't want the game wow, now. right? Wow. Why it's really you? a weird thing. I understand because of the because the the quick trigger everybody has now, but and and I feel for Alford because across town, Dunk City. I know, yeah. With the Maxim wife is <laughs> right. coming to Los Angeles, <laughs> right? And who do you think people in this town are going to pay attention to? Where where are the kids going to want to play? I'm just saying. And well, Jim Jim Moore Jim Moore Junior is now the uh, the senior coach. At UCLA, really not unlike program. right, not unlike uh, the professional basketball in Los Angeles, right? Yeah. The, the the UCLA should be the one that everybody's paying attention to, oh, but of course USC yeah. next season's the one that's going to get I'm all going the to a Clipper game tonight. Oh, are you? I haven't been to the one in Staples, believe it or not. Oh, oh wow. really? Yeah, yeah, I've never been to a Clipper game. The last game Clipper there game yeah. I went to in Los Angeles was at the speaking of USC, the sports arena. Oh, wow. When it was Lakers Clippers in the wow. sports arena, I've a advocated long time I, ago. Let me lay this. I'm idea. sorry, by the way. I, I'm, Black I, I, I apologize. No, it's true. He, won, he said to oh, me, no, "I said no, he no, was no, like no. he was like giving you the wrap up sign," <laughs> and I said, "It's okay. We're we're not doing our we're chatting." I th- what, uh, Chris Law just came in. My latex salesman just came in. We're talking to Denard <laughs> at the top of the hour Ooh, for, for our wow. Because I mean, of, of all the times I got, I got to get Denard in, you know. Yes. And, but when we booked him, we hoped we'd talk about a national championship. But neither here nor there. Um, he he said to me, I said, you don't have to wrap them up. We're not. We, we've we're not going to be. We don't need the room for another fifteen minutes. And he goes, No, I've been here since six a.m. Oh, yeah. And he wants to get out of here. Unbelievable. And guy. and at that point, you mentioned my. I wasn't going to come in and crash. You mentioned my name. I used that as an opportunity. Of course. I I, I appreciate it. And I, and I now, think I speak for Black Tie. That's I, okay, Mr. Eisen. Anything Rich, you need. No, no, no I, think I'm, I think no. I made it. Rich calling me out on a podcast. I think I made it. You okay. know what? <laughs> that's all right. I admit, that's what happened. All right, we'll get out of here, but uh, really quickly, I want to say two things about the National Championship game and get your thoughts, because, Rank, we didn't hear yours uh, uh, on the previous podcast this week. The two significant plays, I hate to be cynical about it because it was dynamite basketball, but the Trey Burke block had to make you crazy, huh? Well, you know what? I, I, I always think of this when, uh, you know, uh, to, I, th- I think of two things at that point in time. Uh, do I want to sound like Albert Breer or do I not? Hmm. And you're back and forth on Twitter is one of the great delights. Well, I mean, you know. Buckeye versus Wolverine is great fun. Because he can't help himself. (laughs) Poor Albert. Okay. (laughs) But but I also think of Rod Woodson, Steeler great, Uh and one of the many things I picked up with working uh, with him on Total Access for like seven years, he said that um, Chuck Knoll would always tell his team each week, this weekend, play better than the ref's ref that there will always be a time where you're going to get screwed by a call. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to be fair, McGarry kicked the ball. There was no call. I mean, it was going both ways. It was dreadful both ways. But the irony the NCAA, is... The NCAA must look at its officiating Ugh. this past 
Well, the whole story with Ed Rush sure. and Pac-12 giving away trips to, like, oh. sandals or whatever. <laughs> Somebody's going to get Arizona's coach out of there. Joking or not, come on, please. I so mean, really, the worst that, month in NCAA that, the, uh, NCAA that I can think of. The quick, the quick uh, jump ball call... Um, or whatever the hell they call it in the, in the NCAA, the uh, simultaneous possession. Oh, the possession yeah. arrow. Because the possession arrow, I, that was the most retweeted thing I've had in, in weeks, was I, I just tweeted out the possession arrow, the NCAA's tuck rule. Yes. And that was, because uh, I hate that. I mm-hmm. freaking hate that. Just jump it up. Let's sure. compete here. That's... Let's not have it like a flip of a coin. Is flip that, a coin is it for time's sake? Is that really what it was I don't about? I know what it is. I think it, if I remember correctly when they made that but move, it was within a, our lives. How many rules predate the three-point arc in yeah, the right. NCAA that are like that? Obviously, traveling will predate it. But I'm just saying, things that you could just change it, compete, jump it up. That was a brutal call in the Wichita State um, Louisville game. Yep. Um, the, you know, you could go either way with a lot of Syracuse fans. We're going to talk about it on our podcast when Brockman calls in. He was bitching about, you know, the charge call at the end of the Michigan game. There was a brutal calling with Ohio State that allowed Ohio State to advance, I mm-hmm. believe. I forget against whom in the uh, in the tournament. Where, um, yeah, it was the... Oh, lordy lord, I forget which one that was. And, and Breer left the right... <laughs> so I don't want to sit here and say, well, that Burke call really hurt us even though that was clearly pinned against the backboard. I mean, clearly a beautiful block. Things could go either way. You I have to you. play you're, better than the refs. You're, ref. being, they, you're, being too, you're being too kind because that was an outrage. The irony of that call is, though, of course, is bad calls. But the irony is that they were letting them play. Shane yeah. Bahannon was, I know. He was, was assaulting I know. people on I know. the floor. I no know. calls. Trey like, Burke gets, get, doesn't touch flesh. Clean and <laughs> I know. I know. Bahannon the at the end of the game looked like Mark Madsen dancing <laughs> <laughs> underneath the basket. It was just like spastic everywhere, knocking things over, yeah. nothing. But I, again, I don't want to sit here, oh, I'm bitching about the refs, complaining about the refs. Wow, let Their me just... Michigan did enough things letting Luke Hancock go off. Oh. They did enough things at the end that of the game bad, forgetting yeah. who to foul. Okay, who to foul? Who to foul? When even, to foul? even it would have been just even forget about you know you, just, you don't want to sit there and say, foul Jang. You could do that. You could just say foul the tallest guy out there, <laughs> just the tallest. Go for the tallest one out there. They didn't foul him. They took too much time to foul. The last minute and a half definitely wasn't Beeline's finest. But that said, seeing them on that national stage, part of a instant classic game was just. Yeah, the first awesome. half Just especially great. was wonderful. I'll say one thing to you, and then and then that will be our time. But do make sure you check out Rich Eisen's podcast this week. I got a little sneak preview because he was in Hawaii, as we can see, because he's tanned up. Yeah. And the uh, the the philosophical conundrums that uh, of social media, and because he's on a plane yes. while his Wolverines are playing Sports their game blackout. and avoiding it, the blackout and all those oh, issues. That's what you we've meant. talked. We've talked it. on and on about it here on this podcast. Well, when should... he said sports blackout, I thought it was. You know he's going to be bending the elbow. That's, that's no, no that's what of... happened to Papa John. No, unless, um, unless it's Cabernet. John Beeline, though. John Beeline. I think I, I have to say, great coach has built that program. Obviously, awesome. and the last minute was uh, was a screw up. Bigger screw up potentially at halftime. His speech saying, mm. "Did you hear his?" You speech? were in a great spot. I know he's talking. He's he's talking. He's getting him roused up, and then he says, "Hey, they have their kid who's got the hot hand." And what, what what's the kid who we had didn't one miss of a our shot? Guys, Spike and, Albrecht. Spike Albrecht, and he says, "And one of uh, 
Our guy. Oh, I can't talk about that because I'm going to jinx him. But now I've started to. But let's all go out and play well. Uh, and then he doesn't make. And then his streak is broken. I they, think Beeline may have put uh, the pox on him. They all. They all can't sound like Pacino in, uh, in the movies. <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, I again, I couldn't be happier. It was awesome. House money. Really right. was well, say you have a better for frame real. of mind. I'd be I'd be ruined for months. All right, tell Denard. I'm still upset about the Greg Anthony charging call back in '91. So. <laughs> no, I uh, thought don't... you meant the, the Greg Anthony charge that he took don't from get Doug me... Gottlieb on the air. That those oh, refs yeah. in 1993 fouled out Calvert Chaney in a game that he had he hadn't fouled out all season. All of a sudden, he fouls yeah. out in the biggest game of the season. Well, please. But tell tell Denard Robinson, yes. don't miss the golden opportunity. He's going to be in the NFL. Shoelace. This is a marketing gold mine. He should be shoelace. Period. Don't call him Denard. Don't even acknowledge it. If he, if he well, it depends. It's you know. I assume he's not going to lace him up in the NFL. I assume yeah. he's going to have to do that. I mean, just the name. But is he so did great. that. He did that at the combine. He ran the forty in laced up shoes. Oh, he did. He did. Hmm. Please, right. I'm the sitting there with May. I mean, I'm sitting there for four days. I, <laughs> I'm waiting for one Michigan guy to show up, and it was Denard. <laughs> there was no one else there. I was going to pay attention to every last detail at the combine. <laughs> when all I had to do was pay attention to one Michigan guy the entire week. Um, all right, Rich Eisen. We're gonna we're, for the sake of black tie at yes, least. We're gonna I'm we're gonna sorry, shut it down man. here. He was just like I've been here forever. You know, he's been working think, for seven oh, hours. Wait, I think man. what he said was, "There's two minutes left. Surprise me and make it one." <laughs> yeah, and then <laughs> I come in here and, and put back it, the curtains. And oh, then, totally. And then, uh, and, but uh, hey, just to show you, I, I gave up eating lunch. My lunch is sitting there. The rich special is sitting there, right there, untouched. This all turned wow. out great, though. This whole episode, as I it's, said, this is awesome. Has been a black guy. It's too That's late. Awesome. What's the alternative? Can you understand uh, how difficult it is? You have a producer who is supportive. We have to overcome every show the wow. obstacle of a producer who hates the show. It's a you know that's rough for us. Yeah. Well, you got to go Chris between. Let's just, you got to go between somebody who exudes a little bit of uh, I guess edge uh-huh. attitude. And then uh, competency. Uh, and then you've what, got what my guy. Does, what if he doesn't have either? Who's a sweetheart. Yeah. Who just, who who's like a, uh, who when he first started out, it was like a puppy dog that you needed to calm down and break in with a newspaper. Right? And, and, and he's my latex salesman. Uh-huh. I wouldn't give him up for anybody. But you have your guy. I got With it. his peccadillos. And I've got mine. All right. Well, listen. Rich we Eisen. people. Before, I, I hate to end on Am a I sour wrong? note. Was that a sour note? <laughs> no, no, no. Oh no! <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna give you one last, uh, one last okay. uh, bit of bad news. I've told you this before, and I, I want to tell it to your face. The rich special, which they serve in the commissary, yeah, special in name only. You don't I, like it? It's bland. Let's spice it up with some sriracha or something. Well, you could add add whatever you wish. I guess that's a fair point. Yeah, the onus is on it, me. What it is consumer, is, I right. was told by one of the only nutritionists I ever allowed myself to see green leafy items and red sauce is an antioxidant haven for gentlemen of our advancing ages Mm -hmm. and you add a little chicken for some protein i see golden all right so it's a healthy choice is what we're saying it is all right on that note, Rich Eisen, yes. a pleasure to see you Same here, you. and uh, and have a great time with shoelace. And look, at <laughs> oh, and Rich Eisen has the sun chips on the side. He lives. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> Gotta live a little. All right. So thanks to Rich Eisen, Dayton Jones, and uh, Joe Staley. We'll be back for more Huey and Applesauce later on. In the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. Day.
Hand Zeus and Mr. Fancy Pants. The Flames need NFL news, and here's their chance. It's ATL around the league. Light a flame, boys. Pick skins hot tonight. Burn, baby, burn. Welcome back to another edition of the ATL Debate Club. My name is Dan Hansis, and as always, I'm joined by a man who has six times failed in his auditions for The Voice, Mark Sessler. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. I have uh, not even seen that show. I don't even know what you're talking about. This is classic Sessler. Um, he, he likes to thumb his nose at pop culture whenever possible, and then uh, and that will and I know what comes next. Now you tell me why you thumb your nose. I literally I, have never heard of the show you're talking about. The Voice. Yeah, it's like the number one show on TV. Oh, so it's then like I'm a singing. Competition. I'm supposed to latch on to it and care about it because it's popular. Well, perhaps you should know what it is. I'm not saying you need why? to be. And plus, you've auditioned for it six times, well, as I said at the top of the podcast. That that is and that's a different angle to come from. That's fact. In that case, I should have known what I was. Putting my efforts into. Mark, um, things have gotten off to a little antagonistic start here, but uh, how are you doing today? So you got a haircut, <laughs> which means that North Korea perhaps isn't scaring you as much? Yeah, the uh, i got to admit, my concern over that situation has uh, diminished. Quickly abated. I feel the same way. I'm no longer taking it seriously. Uh, what What's in the news today, Mark? Like, What's going on with you? I know you worked a very early shift at Around the League, 5 a.m. after you and I were at a watering hole past midnight that seems a little irresponsible, but you made it here. Well, we were out with um, our boss. Yes. So that's fine. And uh, this morning... Our boss is who? Greg Rosenthal. Yes. NFL Around the Leagues editor, Greg Rosenthal. Yes. Uh, the morning got off to a brisk start. I walked in and NFL AM, uh, you know, this is not something that's new for NFL AM, but they had Richard Sherman on. Oh. And, you know, you saw what happened with him. He had... he was incorrectly quoted, he said, um, suggesting that half the league is hooked on Adderall. Right, he, and then he, he said he was misquoted by a newspaper and which you know, all he, that. Which essentially he was. I mean, you know what? Sherman was correct on this. But I guess my issue is I feel like the guy cannot get out of the news cycle. Well, you know what's funny is that, and I agree with you, Sherman was a guest on the ATL Debate Club, uh, and we had him in here, and, and we did – Ask him while he was here if you know if it's important to him to stay in the news cycle and and you know he he kind of he denied it and he said you know that he's just kind of being himself but at the same time it's hard not to think that he's really gotten sucked in by this idea of being a football type celebrity uh, beyond all beyond anything else I mean as you could as you could see when Darrell Revis made the mistake I guess it was about a month ago of um, you know, telling Sherman through Twitter to pipe down. Sherman didn't waste any time getting in the mix. And, you know, sometimes I wonder if things like this, if he says these things just because he knows it's going to create a backlash, then he can go back on these shows. He's just that type of player, and it's he's a great cornerback. But, I mean, it's a little tiresome, isn't it? Let's talk about Revis for a second. Um, we haven't really caught up with his situation on this show in a while. Right. I mean, you're a Jets fan. That's out there. People know that. What, like, what, what are you? How are you hoping this gets resolved? Well, first of all, before we talk about that, I just want to say, uh, Fireman Ed, if you are out there, 
because I, I believe Fireman Ed is he's in an underground fortified <laughs> bunker. He's eating a lot of beans, uh, and boxed water. What else would you have in a fortified underground bunker? You'd have um, soap flakes, and you'd have um, percent like remember space food. Yeah, things like that that don't rot, they don't go stale. Although both those items I mentioned. Yeah. Sound like they potentially could go bad. Would they have Frankenfooters down there? Do you remember Frankenfooters? I do. Um, that sounds like a really logical choice. You just crack that can open and... Uh, no, Frankenfooters, it. actually. It's incorrect. Uh, you do not crack a can. They were, oh. they were hot dogs <laughs> that See, were... See, when I try to say that I do know something yeah. about our society, right. I simply am wrong. Uh, Frankenfooters are stuffed uh, hot dogs with chili or cheese. It was... An abomination of the 80s. It was almost like a, a crime against humanity. I don't think it's on the market anymore. That doesn't sound to me like um, a top 10 food item, uh, food stuff that you'd bring <laughs> underground to a bunker. Probably not. But getting back to your point, uh, Fireman Ed, come back to us. Uh, things are going to be okay. Um, as, for, as for Darrell Rivas, <clears throat> yes, as a Jets fan, it's, it hurts to see how inevitable this all is at this point. Um, I will say that if the trade's going to happen – um, that get that Tampa Bay Buccaneers 13th overall pick, and let's move forward. And, you know, it's so easy for everyone to pile on the Jets uh, at this time because they're such a big target uh, that I think we're not going to give them enough credit, I feel like, if they do pull this off correctly. There were reports in the over the past month how, you know, the Jets were playing this poorly, but if they get the Bucks' uh, first pick and then they get – you know, a Percy Harvin type deal where they where they get a third rounder next year and a seventh rounder this year in addition to the first pick. That's a great trade considering uh, the options that they had, which were basically nil beyond the Bucks. Well, I agree because if the Jets realistically, and I I like John Idzik, I think he's a, a sound thinker. He seems to be willing to take that team in a different place. If you get what you can for Revis, there aren't that many players that you can trade or a team would be willing to trade for multiple picks. And Revis is one of those guys that I think the situation actually fits for New York. I didn't feel this way a month ago, but they are in rebuild mode to some degree. And that doesn't mean that it's a five-year rebuild. But if they can get two number one picks, and one name that keeps bubbling up as a potential fit for the Jets is Tavon Austin, which I think would be very exciting, actually. Yeah. I mean, that would be a game-changing addition to that roster. Yeah, the, the West Virginia wide receiver. Right now, around the league, the blog we're doing... Uh, a running series because we're always in a different running series. The running series right now is draft questions and we're going through each team and seeing what's the most pressing need. What's the biggest question facing these teams entering this month's draft. And as I do these draft questions, and I think you're having the same situation as well. Tavon Austin seems like such a good fit for so many teams because he's the type of player in in the way offenses are run now with spread offenses and speed is king that this guy could shred any defense uh so it makes sense why he's gone from a fringe first rounder to someone that people are even speculating that the jets could take uh with the ninth pick or the 13th pick. yeah i mean i wrote a piece um how i thought that the bengals it, you know he's not going to be around where they where they pick at 21 but they have like 10 picks they could move up potentially and that's not something that front office would do but like Talk about a team that's stunk it up in the playoffs two years in a row because they're not imaginative on offense. Uh, ben Jarvis, Green Ellis, as their only backfield threat, is a, a big bowl of vanilla ice cream. Right. I like Austin because 
you would only make someone like A.J. Green or the other weapons on any team you plug them into that much more dangerous because you've got to have one or two guys on Austin or paying attention to him all over the place. So it's like he could really change a team, and he'd be the guy that we're talking about a year from now is the reason a team went from you know, middle of the pack to something no one could defend. Yeah, and going back to the Jets, um, you know, he is the perfect fit for what they need on offense. Uh, for the past two or three years now, the Jets have been defined by this ground and pound nonsense. And if you put Austin in there, that changes the, narr- the narrative immediately. It does. And, yes, I know you were saying in the newsroom yesterday that it, you were almost angry about the idea of Austin going to the Jets because they don't have a, a quarterback to get him the ball. And perhaps, I know, a lot of people are thinking Sanchez or whoever ends up as the quarterback can't get it done. But that's not gonna, a permanent situation. The Jets might very well end up having an impact quarterback next year, and then you have him with Austin. So I think if the Jets make that move, and they're in desperate need of a culture change right now, Austin is the type of guy that could change the temperature of the room. Well, I was genuinely just jealous because as a Browns fan, <laughs> I would love to have him on. I think that like Rob Chudzinski is a coach that would know how to use a player like that. And I always was concerned last year with the Jets coaching that they, had, they took a Tebow-type guy. They didn't figure out how to use him. Now, maybe there isn't a way to use Tebow. And they saw him in practice, and they said, it ain't happening. But, you know, they have a new coaching staff in there on offense, at least, in terms of uh, the coordinator. So we'll see. I would be excited for you, um, but it would mean another round of five or 600 Jets stories that we might have to not <laughs> write otherwise. Well, that's, that's inevitable, basically. Speaking of your Browns, um, did a story late last night about your former team president, Mike Holmgren, uh, who we heard rumors and reports that probably all linked back to Holmgren's agent planting them that, you know, he had he would be a good candidate for the Cowboys job when Jason Garrett was potentially in danger uh, in January. And then there was that report that the Raiders had had him in mind for some type of position. It was an oddly titled position. I yes, can't remember it, it, it was. didn't fit with anyone any other um, structure they have now. So then, you know, April 10th comes around, and Mike Holmgren takes a job as a, and I'll give the exact job title, KJR, uh, Seattle Sports Radio Station. Uh, he takes a job with them, and he's a regular contributor and NFL expert. That's kind of a steep fall from a guy that was the team president of an NFL team. And while we're here, it's pretty telling that that was the guy running your franchise for three years, and now he's working at a radio station in Seattle. I mean, it reminds me when Parcells went to, like, what was it, uh, NFL Live, on when it was NBC's NFL Live for a year or something like that, ages ago. You knew it wasn't going to last. I think he wants to get back into football. But, you know, that station specifically, he drove people in Cleveland nuts because he would constantly weekly go on with that station while he was the Browns president. And with rumors circulating that he wanted to move back to Seattle, his wife wanted to move back to Seattle, and he gave very little time to Cleveland's radio stations, but would go on with the Seattle outfit week after week and, you know, buddy up with them. So this, this was in the mail for a while, potentially. Yeah. They know what they're getting. You really don't know what the voice is. Well, I, I, you know, I watch like maybe an hour of TV a week. It was two hours this week, but I'm going to go over the, some of the uh, judges from the host from the voice. Okay. R&B star Usher. Are you aware of his? Yes, voice? I have heard of him. Okay. Can you name a song from Usher? Well, Usher has had many songs. Why would <laughs> I pick just one? Okay. Uh, Shakira. Yes, of course I know her. In fact, I tweeted at her from the NFL account one time. Why is that? On a follow Friday. 
Really? That's a little interesting. Listen, I am uh, diverse when it comes to my pop culture influences. How about Adam Levine? No idea who that is. Maroon 5? Oh, wait. No, yeah. No, I do know who that is, okay. actually. Yeah. Uh, you, you bring up... He's, your... right, he's like a sort of a wiry, uh, tattooed fellow. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. That's one way to put it. <laughs> um, while we're talking about uh, creepy tweets uh, regarding your Shakira tweet, we have not talked about uh, my meeting with the great Jenna Fisher. You're right. And why that slipped through the cracks because it was in that hazy period where I was gone for a week. You were gone. Right. And in the middle of all this, you're buddying up with Pam from the office. Yes, who's uh, such a favorite of Mark and I's that our NFL.com <laughs> inter-office fantasy team was called... Mark. Jenna Fisher. Jenna Fisher, uh, which is a little weird. And even beyond that, uh, Mark and I wanted to potentially have Jenna Fisher do a guest post on Around the League, and Mark had promised me that he would contact Fisher and she would do a post by last September. I even had a contract that I wrote out and hung in Mark's cubicle so he would know not to give up the fight. That never happened. Well, I we sent a very um, engaging email to what I thought was her representation. <laughs> did not hear a peep back. Not a word. Uh, was <laughs> Did you do – was the letter in like that um, – where you cut letters out of a magazine and you paste them all together. No, it was over. I the believe that's called serial killer font. No, yeah, it was it was over font. the computer. We'll it was the glass. it was a lot of class, very yeah. classy note. Um, I just wanted to get her take on where we were in the football season. Right. And um, big Cowboys fan. Very big Cowboys. That's actually what triggered this. Was that there was in the middle of many tweets that she has about being a mom and the office and other things, a, an angry series of Cowboys tweets even, after a loss. And I'm a little hazy at this point because it was months ago, but it, it might have been even like expletive-laden. Well, I don't know. I don't want to speak out of turn, but it was, it was ugly. It, was a, <laughs> a, a, it, was, it sounded like she had had an ugly night. Well, uh, I ended up, I was lucky enough, my wife works in the industry, and I got to go to the office rap party following the final episode of their final season, which is airing right now. On NBC, which also airs The Voice. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I was at this event, and the, the whole cast was there, and there was, you know, an open bar, which is nice, and there was food, which is good. And at the end of the night, as Jenna was going to her valet station, and this is this starting to sound a little creepy, too, mm. I, you know, crept up behind her. No, I walked behind <laughs> her, and uh, she was taking a picture with a fan, and I said, Jenna, you mind if I have a picture as well? And she went, of course. And then we got a picture. Of course, together. she minds. <laughs> hey, listen, the picture which we're gonna let's include the picture uh, on the Damashek blog. Jenna Fisher and I, uh, myself, on Cloud Nine with a great actress. Maybe now that we've had a connection with her, you can now loop back in with your serial killer font and see if we can get something going. I'm not. Yeah, it's like I'm not. What connection that you built with her? I'm not sure how. How. Uh, lasting that is. Yeah, I wished her luck on her uh, off-Broadway play, and I, I got a feeling that probably stuck with her a little bit. You may know a little too much about her. I mean, you know, the initial. Uh, her, I'd love to hear her take on this because um, I'm sure it, it's a bit divergent from yours. Pot kettle black. Alex Wilk behind the glass today, as always. Well, I wouldn't say always. His his hair looks really nicely styled today. Uh, Thank you, Alex. <laughs> Let's let's do some news. Some news. 
Yes. Uh, well, and, I've been engaged in in USC themed tweets that you have no interest in. Yeah. Uh, but that, I was intrigued. Yeah, we cannot we cannot state any stronger that we don't care about. Wait, USC you're tweets. just well, I'm reading. You're just sitting no, there on Twitter I'm, while we're doing our show. No, as the sound levels just go all over the place. <laughs> I won't Spiking. confirm or deny whether or not I was reading you. Anyway, uh, I really liked uh, Hansis's story on the ATL blog as well about the love boats returning to the Great Lakes, uh, uh, especially because I have a... Uh, oh, man, I can get myself in trouble saying this, but I will anyway. Small connection to that story uh, in that Lake Minnetonka, the uh, the lake where this happened in 2005, the Vikings love boat story, Yes, uh, is and actually you, where my... And one second, and if you don't know about the Vikings love boat scandal, we ask you to consult Google because uh, Roger Goodell has asked that we don't go any further than that. Go ahead. Of course. Uh, <laughs> Lake Minnetonka is actually where my aunt and uncle live, and I visited many times, and uh, it's a favorite place of mine. So was the love boat after the infamous scandal that rocked the Vikings franchise, uh, was that boat just sitting on the dock? <laughs> you know, I couldn't tell which one from a, from a distance was the actual love boat. Yeah, sadly. Well, the the story is is that um, the love boat, I guess, sat on Lake Minnetonka. Is that yes, it? for several years, and and then it was sold uh, to a man named Butch Parks, which is a great name, right? And he is on the Iowa Great Lakes, which I didn't know existed until I did the story, and he has now put that boat. On the Iowa Great Lakes, and he's offering family-friendly cruises aboard, aboard the love boat, which seems like one of the, I'm going to say, worst ideas ever. It's really sort of a desperate plot. Um, I'm not convinced that's his real name or that this is even a real person, because <laughs> I also am not convinced that's a real geographical location. Well, the Des Moines Register, unless that's a, a fake newspaper, and I, I'm almost positive it's not, <laughs> says that the Iowa Great Lakes exist. And also that Butch Parks exists, and also that the love boat is on this body of water now. And he renamed the boat. You would think you would just call it love boat, right? And maybe give it some purple and yellow trim and just, you know, roll with it? Yeah, I think you go. You just go with what this situation is. Yeah. He said that he toyed with the idea of naming the ship Love Tank, which just seems strange, uh, or Mischievous, Mischievous, before deciding on Scandalous. Yeah, I think there was another little fold here. Is he hidden a, a jersey inside the boat, or is it somewhere in there? His what plan was that? is to hide a Vikings jersey somewhere on the vessel. Hide one? Yeah, as a reminder, or, or some type of you know, uh, reminder of what happened that night. Which right, let like, us not forget. Yeah, it seems like something you would want everyone to forget about, but that's. We're talking Butch Parks here. Yeah, it's got, he operates on a different hemisphere. Yeah, you know, it's a classic Butch Parks move. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so that's what's going on. If you want to do it, it's a 63-foot ship, 1994 skipper liner. It's been fully restored. And as I noted in the post, we're hoping fully restored means fully power washed. Yeah, I'll pass. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for the offer. But you do have a family, a young family. This right. is, quote, family-friendly cruise. It's not even on, like, the top 500 potential vacations I might plan with my family. I like that it might be 501, though. Might be. Uh, what else is in the news, Alex Wilk? 
Uh, I was intrigued by a series of tweets. See, it's not just USC tweets that I read. Oh, good. By Bucky Brooks of NFL.com, one yes. of our former scouts. Uh, he was there in Alabama for Eddie Lacy's private workout. Uh, he didn't do his pro day at the same time as the rest of Alabama. And he said, scouts are concerned. They love the fact that he ran fast for a size. Five, 4.57 is good for a big back. But he literally shut it down during the positional workout. He was huffing and puffing and unable to finish drills. Well, he had a hamstring injury, I believe. There's an injury. Caused him to sit out drills to this point. And I guess the speculation was that he was just kind of a little gassed because his conditioning wasn't right because he's been having to take it easy. Um, I'm not that scared off by that. I mean, he's going to get in better shape, I'm sure. Once he's fully healthy, or you have to at least assume that. On our speaking of our NFL draft questions, I, I did a post on the Denver Broncos, and if adding a big time running back is the final piece in making their offense essentially unstoppable, with the addition of Wes Welker with all those other weapons, and I said Eddie Lacy is almost, makes almost too much sense to be one of their first two picks. Well, I actually had to do a draft piece myself, and um, I came to a similar conclusion because. You, McGahee could be Willis McGahee could potentially be a post draft cut. Right, he's not he's not necessarily going to linger around. They don't have a whole lot else going on in that backfield that they can really. They have a bunch of guys. They don't have they the have one some guy. depth, but they don't have that thumper that that Eddie Lacy can be a big guy. You know, you get the feeling that the Broncos are looking for someone different uh, than what they have, and Lacy fits the bill. Now, if he's going to be you know huffing and puffing and vomiting on the field all the time. I'm sure John Elway will be scared off, but let's assume that he's okay. Yeah, let's assume that. And I, I think it, no one knows better than Elway what a really solid running back can do for a third, late 30-something quarterback looking to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, for sure. Terrell Davis. Hey, Wilk, um, what else do you have today? Well, I wouldn't necessarily call this news, but we did promise our listener— I'm going to keep that singular. Carl. Carl. Carl in Trenton, New Jersey. <laughs> um, we did promise our listener that we were going to talk a little bit about Mad Men this yes. week. I know you talked about it some on the Damashek podcast, but I feel like we have to keep our promises. This is a classy podcast, right? It is. It's a very classy podcast. Mark and I are huge Mad Men fans. Two-hour premiere on Sunday. And, uh, you know, it got us thinking uh, We were while we were sitting in that watering hole uh, last night, this idea of where does Mad Men stack up is Mad Men at the level where it's the best TV show ever? Where does it, or where does it rank on that list? And what do you think about that, Mark? Well, I, I guess right off the bat, you're making it clear to me that I'm not uh, knowledgeable enough about television in general, especially contemporary television, to maybe even be involved in this conversation. No, I think but. no, because I think you're kind of a uh, popular culture snob, where you definitely pick your spots. So I don't think you're completely. Uh, vacuous in terms of what what's going on, but you you very you have a very staunch view on what's low culture and what you're not going to go near. <laughs> I think I just don't have a lot of time, but yeah. yes, uh, that uh, that also may be true. Uh, I <laughs> for me, when I think of, I think it's so subjective, but for me, I have to go with um, Sopranos as my favorite show of all time, and I think Sopranos for me also what it did on a cable network outside of being on one of the big broadcasting stations it's it kind of lit a fuse where a station like amc the hbo's of the world said we can do this too and i I think it kind of set the kind of rolled the carpet out for mad men 
to do what it did. I had the benefit of watching Sopranos literally all um, in a row in the course of two weeks. Yeah, I think uh, Matthew Weiner, who was a writer on the, the Sopranos, is the creator and chief writer of Mad Men. So obviously yeah. there's... There is a direct link to... That, I mean, yeah. that is connective tissue, if there ever was. And so to me, I agree with you that even if I liked Mad Men better, I, I almost have to give... I keep on thinking Sperano's. <laughs> because Sopranos has been off, off the air long enough, and Sperano is some, a name that I had to write on roughly 400 posts of Jets copy this past year. But The Sopranos was... The original. There's a book right now that I actually just started reading called The Revolution Was Televised by Alan Sepinwall. Mm-hmm. And it's all about um, these big shows that started rolling out. And it all started really – well, there were shows before Sopranos, sure. even on HBO. Um, you know, Oz, to name one, and I'm sure there are a couple others that are escaping me. But Sopranos raised the bar to what TV can be. Mad Men, to me, is right – underneath it though to me that's my second favorite show if i had to do a top three it would probably sopranos i'm still stuck on that soprano thing (laughs) uh sopranos uh mad men and then it's a kind of a a jump ball between breaking bad and six feet under for me that's fair i i've seen uh plenty of breaking bad and i think it's it's right up there i just uh it's it, I've got one and two. It's hard for me to really put a third in there in that race. So Mad Men's your two. Oh, Mad Men is two, and I think Mad Men could become one. Right. But it's hard for me not to you know pay homage to the Sopranos because I think that, again it's like without that I'm not sure. Not only because of the creator link, but I think that it allowed Mad Men to become a much more viable um, option for a show, to, a station to take on. Right. Secondly, I think we're very conditioned to the tempo and the pace of Mad Men over the course of many seasons because of what Sopranos did. Right. And there are other shows like Wilkes, a big fan of Murder, she wrote. Uh, yes. But, you know, to Can't us, get enough of that show. And uh, Golden Girls. Don't Golden, Golden Girls. Girls. <laughs> uh, we're talking one-hour dramas. Uh, so, you know, keep up, Wilk. But, yeah, so, I mean, let me ask you one more question about Mad Men. Yeah. You're sitting at a dinner table, and you could pick all the people in the world that you want. Dead or alive, right? I don't. Let's say there are eight people at this table. Let's forget about the seven others. But I said one of them has to be a madman character. It wouldn't be the real person. It would be the character from the show. Who is the madman character that would be sitting at your table? Well, th- maybe this is a boring answer, but I, I'm going to go Don Draper because I feel like he's still the the biggest mystery. the The piece, the final pieces, have not been revealed with that guy. Um, Sterling's real close second. I think he'd be, I'd want to sit next to him. He's fun. He also concerns me on many levels. Well, Sterling, well, the answer, you're wrong. The well, answer is Joan. <laughs> you want Joan at the table. Uh, sweet, luscious Joan. Considering one of the others would be my wife, I, I don't want Joan there. She's not I, at the table. Your wife's not at the table. That's one of my I eight people. I, didn't, I will lay out the conditions of the table in a subsequent All podcast. Right. Podcast. <laughs> But uh, Roger Sterling, the great raconteur, Roger Sterling. Yes. If I if I didn't have Joan, if Joan was birthing another of Roger's babies or was writing off a Vietnam husband and was unavailable for the dinner, I would go with Roger, a great raconteur. Good. Well, then my pick of Don Draper is not busy at your dinner, which Don doesn't Draper, sound all that. By the fun, way, Don Draper would be very. I understand he he's another guy that changes the temperature of the room. But he might be in one of those Draper moods where he's just sucking down his old fashions 
and he's not making eye contact and he's thinking about some conquest later in the night and he's not going to bring much to the table other than being much better looking than you and maybe some vomit so basically why did i answer this question what do you mean why did i answer this wilk why did i invest two and a half minutes of time answering the question that Imagine how our listener feels listening to you be ignored for two and a half minutes. That's even worse. (laughs) I'm sticking with my answer. I'm very proud of it. So you got Draper, I got Joan, and we both have kind of Roger Sterling on retainer. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Wilk, what about you? I got to go Roger Sterling, too. That's good. That's good. We got all our bases covered, then. What a team. One one person that is not on that list is Lane. So rest in peace. (laughs) Too soon? Really too soon. He'd be that rather was, boring, I think. Although I guess point. that actually happened in the late 60s, so kinda, probably we, not too we soon. We kind of left Lane hanging a little bit. So You've gone there, Dan. I've gone there. Okay, that's it for the ATL Debate Club. Uh, next week we're going to try to have a guest. We haven't decided who it was. Actually, I have someone that I met at the office rap party. Yes. That I'm going to try to get him in studio. Really? Yes, and uh, he actually ties back to... Uh, something we talked about earlier in the podcast. Uh, so I'm just going to tease this that This is like a, a guy that runs Grip, or is he like on air? No, we're talking talent, bro. I'm, all right. I cannot wait to find out who this is. Yes. Uh, but until then, uh, thanks for listening. Thank you. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you pull up to game night in the all-new Camry, but it's actually bingo night. Mini golf, anyone? It's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota. Let's go places. Thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of 1 carat plus and receive a free natural 1 carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com.